coming up this week off screen. Joaquin Phoenix was never really here. Woody Allen rides the Wonder Wheel. Stephen Graham walks like a panther. We visit the sweet country. There's a mystery at Plot 35. David Oyelowo is a gringo. Hedy Lamar's a bombshell. And home is where the horror is with mom and dad. All those come and more off screen. This is... This is off screen. Off screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Off Screen, the on screen radio show. Ooh, welcome to Off Screen. I'm Van Connor. And I am Case Allen. So, Mr. Allen, it's been an exhausting few days. It's, mm. it's been the Oscars. Yeah, and, uh, I I've slept for like three hours. Remember last I, week? I, so. I I think I got I think on on Sunday night, Monday morning. You know, after the ceremony, mm. I think I got in at five thirty, and I because you, you were in in London. I was in London. I was at Talk Radio doing down in the big smoke. I did Paul Ross's Oscar coverage. Right, that was ah. my my claim to fame this year. My first year ever doing like a pro nice. Oscar thing. Yeah, because <laughs> because usually we just watch it together. Don't yeah, we? We, we've done that in previous years. That's, we have, yeah, yeah, and it's and it's been fun. It's been fun. That's how I discovered that your wife but now takes. Your wife takes the Oscars very seriously. You see, she and doesn't. Not as seriously as me. Do you know? I, I made, don't know where this has come from. I made a crack once about Tay Diggs and Idina Menzel. Well, she takes I, Tay Diggs very seriously. I thought she was going to take my face off. I I thought yeah. I'm going the way of. She's going to take your face off. off. Yeah, yeah. I thought I was a dead man. I really did. I, yeah. Well, you you don't talk about like celebrity couples, but my wife loves. <laughs> don't do not take uh, Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins' name in vain. <laughs> no, no, I know <laughs> that now. Ooh, oh, uh, Susan Sarandon mm. actually produced one of this week's new releases. By the way, uh, she produced segue. Already. Yeah, she produced a Bombshell, the Head of Lamar story. I Did you really? On the way out, yes. That's amazing. Do you know what my favourite fact about Susan Sarandon is? Uh, she has a middle name that also begins with S. Oh, I hope so. Let's, <laughs> let's check Wikipedia. <laughs> we no, um, in uh, New York, I believe, she owns a, uh, a ping pong uh, club. A ping pong club? Yeah, and I think I just said ping pong, which is a even funny. Ping pong. Ping pong. A ping pong club <laughs> right. that Prince used to go to, would be a, which is amazing. Wouldn't it be a ping pong parlour? Ping pong parlor. Oh, I hope oh. it's called ping pong parlor. Ping pong parlor. Ping pong parlor. But I Prince plays that. Prince plays the yeah. ping pong parlor. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Alliteration is fun, kids. <laughs> so yes, obviously we're we're exhausted. Uh, you're a bit under the weather, I believe, as well. Hey, that's why I sound like this. Ah, right now, so, yeah. uh, so we're all sorry. running on very little sleep. In, there's no there's next to no film news this week. So um, yeah. in lieu of that, you're going to be giving us periodic uh, Oscar updates, and we can talk about who Oscar what. Oscar nuggets. Uh, so before we get to the first review of the week, then before we plug the podcast and talk about you were never really here um give me who give me our first oscar winner of this week then who won an oscar this last week okay um so yeah we're gonna do it like a couple each segment okay um first one let's do it like the oscars did so first award given out best supporting actor Sam Rockwell. I was so happy with this. Yeah, Sam Rockwell. I think everyone was. Yeah, it's it's just yeah. nice to see him finally get some recognition. And he's been around forever. It's 20 years since Galaxy Quest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> since he played Guy. Guy Fleegman? Guy Fleegman. Guy Fleegman. And I love at the end of a film when he, he finally gets a name and it's just it's Guy. That's the whole thing, isn't it? Genius. Well, because his name was Guy, wasn't it? That yes. was the whole gag. Yeah. And yeah. Because um, he's, he's, he's like like a red shirt, essentially, isn't he? He is. That's, that's his whole gimmick. And it's a brilliant... Yeah. If you've never seen Galaxy Quest, please do look that. Just watch it now, It's amazing. Yeah. I'm hoping, like, if anything else, just loads of people are going to go back and watch a bunch of his great Sam Rockwell films. I think Sam Rockwell, and I'm going to get shot for this, um, uh, Sam Rockwell,
Rockwell is very underrated in, uh, wait for it, Charlie's Angels. Do you know what? I, on the night of the Oscars, yeah. Charlie's Angels was on Sky Movies and I watched like 15 minutes of it. And yeah. He is great in he it. He is great, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah. The twist of the movie totally works because of his portrayal. Um, yeah. And of course he, he yeah. dances to yeah. some amazing music. No one has ever Ab- looked more threatening, uh, desk, uh, dancing to disco music. Than exactly. Yeah. Pick up pieces by average white band. So he has now won the best sporting actor for uh, award for three billboards outside Edmond, Missouri. Yeah, what what's some of your favourite uh, Sam Rockwell films? I, well, I mean, I, I'm not particularly enamoured with the film in the wider context, admittedly, but I do think he's great in Iron Man too. <laughs> right, well, um, sure, that's, that's in terms of his mainstream. No, no he Moon. is. I, I, would, I would love to see just now and come back. Oh, Moon, God. yeah, of course. Moon, I think he's tremendous in. I like, is it Confessions of a Dangerous Mind? That was him Yeah, as well, so that, that was one of his first, like, proper leading roles, and George Clooney directed that. was his first, that. Clooney's first directorial job as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, um, obviously he's been in other films, um, another plays by um, uh, Martin McDonough. Yeah. Um, there's a film I really love called uh, Gentleman Broncos, which is by the guy that did Napoleon Dynamite, and he's amazing in that. I haven't seen that one. Ja- Jared Hess? Jared Hess, Jared yeah, Hess. Yeah, I've not yeah. seen that one. Uh, yeah, obviously Moon, he's amazing in. Uh, the Way Way Back. Oh, God, yes. A few years ago, <laughs> and it's just... Green Mile. Oh God, yeah, he's he's great. There's there's so many. It's it's one of those where I'm glad he has the Oscar because it just feels like we had to give him one on principle at this point. Yeah, and he he just seems like such a nice dude. And I feel like, yeah, the whole branch of like the actor. Yeah. side of it yeah they, they just all love Sam Rockwell so uh, let's plug our podcast and competitions real mm. quick then so uh, podcast edition you know get more bang for your buck um, by that we mean we've devalued the currency so you literally get more bang for your buck bang um, for your bitcoin bang for bitcoin um, so yeah more reviews and more uh, film news more uh, moments of cage if you download the podcast edition and there's more at the end of the show we can't fit in the radio edits so go on Acast uh, iTunes Deezer Ch- tune, tune in, in. Yeah. Yeah. podcast platform of preference yeah oh, we're, all, we're all about the bees. All up in there today. Yeah. Um, and competitions this week. If you go on onscreenfilm.com mm. and go in the competition section, Paddington 2 swag. Also oh. begins with a P. Also begins with a yeah, P. Yeah, it's the only reason why I'm plugging it. So it also begins with a P. <laughs> you can, you can uh, possibly partake in the procurement of some, some Paddington uh, proclivities. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Going a bit beef today, wasn't I? Paddington party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With your Paddington posse. Yeah. For, for all purveyors of Paddington. <laughs> for purveyors of Paddington, partake in our Paddington <laughs> procurement process. Pro- procurements. Great word. Yeah, all up on onscreenfilm.com yeah. forward slash competitions. Um, so let's talk about our first film of the week, our first new release. Let's talk about You mm. Were Never Really Here, yeah. uh, which is the latest film from Lynn Ramsey, who most notably, most notably brought us uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin. Yeah, she was going to do uh, Jane Get Your Gun or and then whatever she, it's called. Didn't she, she drop out, out in the first couple of days of filming it or something? I think it was um, like as everyone was getting to set to start shooting, mm. she didn't show up and then ah. she just dropped out. And then of course, I forget who it was that took over. The guy who did Warrior. It, it's not Gavin Hood, it's there's yeah. another guy with a name very similar to Gavin Hood, isn't he? He did the accountant, he did Warrior. It's gonna turn out to be Gavin Hood, isn't it? Um right, so this stars Joaquin Phoenix as Basically, he's a traumatized veteran. He's suffering from PTSD, and he lives a very closed-off, almost monk-like existence. You ever see uh, Ghost Dog: Way of the Samurai? 
Oh, with uh, Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. Kind of like that, only he's doing it down, dirty, street level. You feel like Matt Murdock could walk around the corner at any moment, kind of thing. And he fills his days taking on jobs through a broker, uh, tracking down uh, missing missing teens, missing children. And he takes on a job for a senator, rescuing his abducted daughter. Uh, Gavin O'Connor, not Gavin Hood. Okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah. They're both Gavins. They're both we, the Gavins. We knew it was a Gavin. <laughs> yeah, so Joaquin Phoenix fills his days taking on jobs procured for him by his broker, uh, rescuing abducted uh, kids. He takes on a job for a senator whose daughter has been taken in literally the setup of Taken. She's clearly been taken some sort of sex slave uh, den. And Joaquin Phoenix, the world's most stoic man, will go and retake her. Here's a clip. 235 East 31st Street. That's what the text said. You have kids, Joe? No. Nina. Her name is Nina. I've heard of these places. <sighs> Underage girls. Senator, if she's there, I'll get her. Cleary said you were brutal. I can be. I need this. Hate this address, 3 a.m. Hotel Carib, room 701. I want you to hurt them. Don't mess with Joaquin Phoenix. That's the takeaway from this movie. That was going to be the original title about Adam Sandler, wasn't it? <laughs> you don't mess with Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. Totally. 50 First Dates would have worked so much better if that was the title. Um, this is really astonishing. This is thrilling. This is lump in throat, hold your breath, suspenseful stuff. Uh, basically, this plays, I think I said this to you before we started, as if someone took a Liam Neeson or Jason Statham thriller and decided, what the hell? Let's give this some art house credibility. Let's put Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, get Joaquin Phoenix. Let's give it some real cred and see what we come up with. And what they've come up with is fantastic. It is moving. It's haunting. When it gets to the violence, it is really hard and brutal. And I mean, there's times where it reminds you of Logan, of all things, mm. in, in that, in that sort of balance, with that, the way it works, that balance. Um, the performance at the center of it is absolutely amazing. Joaquin Phoenix on top form here. I mean, when is he not though? Joaquin Phoenix is always, much great. always great. He's got this and, uh, he won't get far on foot to come this year. Yeah, I can't he? wait so for that as well. It's going to be a good year for Joaquin Phoenix, I mm. think. Um, just a really, really compelling story. And it's one of those that if you do, sit back and look at it in the same way that you can with films like get out you become very uh, very aware of this is a b-movie concept that is basically being explored seriously and i really like that in that way that i like get out for doing the same Mm. thing this very much does the same thing there is there is that kind of wonderful exploitation feeling under the surface but that surface has been covered over by the uh the foliage of the art house as it were (laughs) and uh, foliage (laughs) it's like it's not quite as what was the term i used to you earlier was it flouncy as we need you to said about, flouncy i don't agree with that being flouncy as such flouncy yeah <laughs> it's not as ethereal it's not as otherworldly as um we need it's to talk about more straightforward um, i guess it's about, about suits about story though, it isn't does it? still yeah. have some of that flair you can visibly still see some lynn ramsey style in there but she has she's taken it down to pavement level as mm. it were this is less suburban lawn more you know, urban pavement. Yeah. She's an amazing director. Though. She's it's, really good. She's one of those people that's just like, how has she never been nominated for an Oscar? Like, 
Well, she walks off the films, that's why. I mean, she can't finish the job, you don't get recognised for it. That's, that's how it works. That's kind yeah. of a written. That's kind of a given, sorry. <laughs> kind of a writ, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to go into IMDb now and find that I'm probably wrong, and she has been nominated for I that. bet you were both Let's wrong. Let's have a look, yeah. yeah. I just, um, for some reason, I, I didn't think... Interesting was... thing about this as well, this is based on the book by Jonathan Ames. Um, I mean, mm. Lynn Ramsey has written it for the screen. I uh, like Jeff, Jeff's name. Like, that's it. He did Bored to Death, didn't he? Yeah, which I loved. I loved that show. Which kind of re- revived the career of Ted Danson. And- yeah, and then Ted Danson just became that guy that was just in like those kind of shows. Yeah. And then and, uh, The Good Place God happened. God bless him so. for it. Uh, really well written, really sharp, really in- intriguing, really suspenseful. I loved every second of it. Um, the cinematography of it, I think, absolutely works. Um creates this there's a moment in it in which i thought to paraphrase your uh your your favorite uh one of your favorite comedians is this going to be a jacob's ladder moment <laughs> a jacob's ladder scenario <laughs> uh, because the cinematography really points you in that that mindset i yeah. really point you towards that mindset with that sort of is this going to go is jacob's, jacob's ladder, ladder? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no it really works and i think having that that style the way the way that they do uh does give it it keeps you on your toes a little bit i quite like that about yeah but you'll be thinking not another Jacob's Ladder scenario. (laughs) Exactly. Once is enough. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. The on-screen radio show. And we're back, and we're we're getting more awake slowly. I think slowly. I'm, coffee, I'm, coffee helps. Coffee helps. I'm coming back to life ever so slightly. I think. Um, so let's talk about uh, Wonder Wheel then, and then you can give me another. Uh, yeah, another so this is not the Todd Haynes film that I thought it was last week. Yeah, but I did. I did the same thing with Journey's yeah, End and Journeyman. We're going to call so. it to yeah. What, what, what Journey Manning? We're Journey Manning. It's Journey Manning. Yeah. Journey Manning. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Wonder Wheel and Wonderstruck, two different films, just as Journey's End, Journeyman. Yeah, two different, two different films. films. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, like Bill Pullman, Bill Paxton. <laughs> David Keith, Keith David. Yeah, That's there we are. Yeah. Uh, Dermot Mulroney, Dylan McDermott. <laughs> Except they have, we could, we could do this they have now a- acted together, so... I generally you know. think this could be just like a podcast in its own right. What, we just talk about the wonder of David Keith and Keith David? Like, actually, like yeah. If you actually got the pair of them to do the podcast with you, that'd that, be amazing. That that sells itself, and they review each other's films. Like, that, oh so, man, oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Keith David reviews the films of David Keith. Yeah, astonishing. Keith, Keith on David, and then David on Keith. Oh. Yeah. I love it. I love Come it. On. You know, you know, the podcast is literally called David slash Keith. <laughs> it, it, it writes itself, doesn't it, does, it? It totally does. Okay, so Wonder Wheel was the latest film for Wheel. <laughs> See, so, it's more fun to talk about Keith David and David Keith than it is to talk about Woody Allen right now. This is it the thing, because yeah. this, this film got kind of buried. I mean, yeah. this this was an early Oscar contender, wasn't it? And now it's sort of, yeah. and it, it, as the time drew ever closer, it'd been shunted mm. to the uh, side. Like, at least for Kate Winslet. I yeah. Think. yeah. Um, so this follows, stop me if you've heard this one before. So uh, an all-star cast... Um, in a Woody in, Allen film. In a Woody Allen film, are joined by the sudden arrival of one of their estranged family members who is fleeing their life and has come to live with the ensemble cast and brings their problems with them. So right, so yeah. like a less good blue jasmine. Basically, yes. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> this is like the only film Woody Allen wants to make now. Um, in this case, the, uh, the the new arrival is Juno Temple, who is the daughter of of all people, Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi's the star of a Woody Allen movie. Was he in another? What was he in Cafe Society? Or did I dream that? 
I feel like you dreamt it, but I think it's also possible. I don't remember. It's possible. Yeah. I'm going to get to a criticism of Batman in a moment. But uh, so, uh, Jim Belushi's daughter comes and joins him. They live at the Coney Island Fair. They live behind the big wheel, behind the Wonder Wheel. Um, he has his wife, Kate Winsor. He has her son, who's um, a cantankerous uh, fire starter. He literally lives to start fires. He's and, a fire starter, a trust fire starter. Exactly. And she's being pursued by the mob. And her arrival um, oh. uh, brings with it a love triangle of sorts between Kate Winslet, her young lover, played by a, a, you know, Justin Timberlake with the most amazing head of hair you've ever seen. Oh, it's wonderful, isn't it? It, it is wonderful. Yeah. That's the wonder in the wheel, is, is oh, Timberlake's hair. Is that, that's it. That's, <laughs> that, that's what the wonder of the title refers to, his hair. Um, and of course, Juno Temple. And this love triangle spirals out as the mob are looking for Juno Temple and the family themselves are struggling with their own internal quabbles. Uh, we have a clip. Why aren't you in school? You want to see this picture? It's the last day. You can't not go to school. Jesus, Richie. That's why you're in summer school, because you missed so many days. They called again and asked, is he sick? I don't like school. It doesn't matter if you don't like it. You know, I don't like waiting on tables, but we need to eat and pay the rent. Some things in life you have to do whether you like it or not. Let me watch the picture. Where'd you get the money for the movies, anyhow? I took 50 cents out of Humphrey's pants when he was asleep. What? You steal from your father? He's not my father, and I hate him. Don't you dare say that. You know, he saved my life. He's, you know, he's, he's a good person. Why does he hit you? He doesn't hit me. Yeah, when he gets drunk, he hits everybody. So, yeah, Woody Allen's back. Um, and I'll be honest, at this at this stage, he's starting to feel like, you know, you ever have one of those friends who plays a lot of video games and every year, without fail, they pop down to game and they drop 40 quid on Pro Evo or FIFA every year, even though it's, it's the, the same, same game, game with, like, three new players added to it. The yeah. controls are the same, the game dynamics are the same. Well, basically, Woody Allen is that. Woody Allen is cinema's Pro Evo soccer. Um, <laughs> he, is, he is Hollywood's FIFA. It's it's the same game, and the only thing that separates this one really from from the, the the last few is that this one's gone for something more of a music hall kind of a feel, mm. something more of a quaint stage player production. And uh, you have Kate Winslet, who's a sort of faded, uh, who's playing a sort of faded, uh, sta- you know, wannabe star. Mm. Justin Timberlake, who wants to be a writer, and you have this starstruck quality to the characters anyway. That what they've done with the actual production of the film is they've made it look as staged as possible, small sets that quite clearly could just be constructed on the stage before an audience um a heavy use of spotlights and an interesting use of colour as they do so the spotlight that's on each cast member at any given point inadvertently provides you with a direct visual indicator of the emotion that the scene is playing so you know Justin Timberlake is being bathed, bathed in blue light as he's having an emotional moment and Kate Winslet is losing losing her, uh, her, her composure so it's all red and then there's orange for more tranquil moments and, and it's, it's quite cleverly put together it's uh, Vittorio Storaro who's done the cinematography on this. I'm not overly sure of his body of work, to be honest. Uh, Last Emperor, Dick Tracy, Tango. Oh, Apocalypse Now. So he's he's got right. some experience. He's done, done all yeah. right, I guess. He's done all right for himself. Yeah. 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 Been in a helicopter. Yeah. yeah. He got that. He got that chopper ride. You know, that's, that's what matters. Not to, not to brag. Not to brag. No, no, not at all. I mean, no one wants to be showy here. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I did really enjoy it. Um, I did come away from it though thinking I don't feel like I've gained much more you know from the cinematic mm. pantheon having seen it. It does feel like it's that annual visit from Uncle Woody. And 
you know, that, that sounded far, far creepier than I needed it to. I'm so sorry. I don't know. I think that's an appropriate level of okay. creepiness. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, let's, your, your let's Uncle not. Woody. Yeah, let's not yeah. go there. Well, he's, um, he's everyone's creepy Uncle Woody pretend doesn't exist now. Yeah, yep. Okay, so Jim Belushi's fine. Kate Winslet um, is very enjoyable. Yeah, Juno you get, Temple. You get two people from uh, The Sopranos. You do. You, you get, get, get Polly Walnuts. Tony Sharico? Sharico, yeah. Sharico. Polly. Polly Walnuts. Yeah, and Bobby. Bobby, yeah. Bobby Bacalar or something? Bacalar. Yeah. Yeah. Played by Steve Sharipa, I want to say. Well done. Yes. Yeah, I remember that one. Um, Yeah, I really did enjoy it. Um, It's got the usual body of, of, you know, all-star supporting cast Mm. in there who'd only turn up for one scene. It's like David Crumholtz turns up for one scene. Yeah, I've just seen that. As, uh, as, get this, David Crumholtz at this stage in his career seems to live solely to play a late 30s, overweight, cliche Jewish man who arrives arrives to dispense of us. I'm pretty sure he's not acting. That's just David Crumholtz Crumholtz. now. Do you think he looks back at pictures of himself and 10 Things I Hate About You and cries silently? I don't know. I think he just puts on like his elf costume from the Santa Claus (laughs) films. I do like yeah. Crumholtz. I really do. Me too. Yeah. Can't stop the signal, Mel. Anyway, um, I did I did quite like it. I don't think it's one of the best films of the year or anything. Um, I don't think it's one of the best Woody Allen films. Um, I, I always like Midnight in Paris, actually. But uh, Yeah, it seemed to be like a rule of thumb where it was every four or five years to do like a really good one again. And mm. it was a Nick Cage rule. This does feel, in a strange way, actually, there is a, a weird balancing act going on here that you don't normally find with a Woody Allen film, but there does feel to be a concerted effort to try and balance the plot mechanics with the actual dialogue for a change. Mm. Whereas Woody Allen will tend to allow his dialogue to just go off wherever it wants. This does feel like there has been a concerted effort to try and rein it in, but it it's not entirely successful, to be honest. It does mm. feel like occasionally characters are relatively short-changed as a yeah. result. It's an Amazon film, isn't it? It is an Amazon Studios film. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if that's going to be the future of Woody Allen now, but uh, possibly. You know, he turns these things out about every six months, so at least it gets them in our homes quicker. You know, <laughs> that. So, give me an Oscar winner before we do the top five. Okay, so next one, let's do uh, Best Supporting Actress. Aha. Uh-huh. And who won Best Supporting Actress this year? Uh, CJ Craig. Fantastic. Yeah. So Alison Janey. Yeah. Or, or Janey, depending if you're American. Just Janey. Janey. She's Janey. She'll always be Janey. Yeah. I'm sorry, Miss oh, Janey, but sure. your husband's heart bomb's complicated. <laughs> so the FCC will let me be. Let me be me. <laughs> exactly. We, we re- that, that makes no sense. It's Janey. But uh, <laughs> yeah. never mind. Never mind. It was just fun to say. It, yeah. It's, it's always fun to pretend mm. to be Eminem. Uh, so great. Great to see uh, Alison Janey win that award. Win to win an award this prestigious that's like it was great just to have her nominated I tell you what just seeing she was like always one of those actresses yeah. that's one of those actors you thought would never be nominated for an Oscar or female J.K. Simmons absolutely the female absolutely the fact that they're like playing a married couple in Juno oh god yeah they do don't yeah. they yeah <laughs> they've worked together quite a bit it's just they yeah. are quite similar but they are have the, they have the same kind of career I would, I would say the same kind of unappreciated yeah. for the longest time and now oh look we're gonna notice them finally exactly like if this is what we're doing with like supporting actor mm. and supporting actress I'm good with that like if yeah. if Sam Tucci can get an Oscar through this that's it life made but um, yeah she's she's really not been in she's not been in too many films mm. um, all of that being said she she pops up in ones that you kind of forget that she like she's in American Beauty. Oh yes, yeah, and she's in yeah, so Scott Bakula, and no one's giving him praise. I but, forgot all about that. <laughs> so it's Peter Gallagher's eyebrows. Peter Gallagher's eyebrows yeah. are in there. Yeah, she's, we, um, she's amazing. Should we crack on with the top five for this week? Then do this good and quick. Oh god, man. number five. So a lot of these films have got uh, like animals in the title. 
Have they? Yeah, that's which is really fun. Strange. What's our What's our yeah. first one? This week? first one, uh, Ladybird. Ladybird. Um, I liked it. You liked it. Everybody liked Everybody it. Everybody liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tracy Letts is great. Lloyd Metcalf is great. Sasha yeah. Roden's great. Yeah, everything's great. Beanie, what's her face? Beanie Fieldstein. Of I'm not sure. I the, like the uh, Timothy Chalamet as the imaginary boyfriend oh, yeah. from Inside Out. Well, I think he's fantastic. Yeah, because he, like, he, he, he is, he is that right. character from Inside yeah. Out, isn't he? Who, who Amy Poehler like? Did you see uh, uh, James Ivory's shirt that had his face on? No, I did not. Oh, it was amazing. I am yeah. starting. I am starting to come around Timothy Chalamet. I like him a bit more. There's, there's outside, been a lot of outside Chalamet of just love. being a great actor. Mm. I mean, I, I like his acting. I just I'm not sold on him sort of as a you know star or anything. But uh, I'm starting to come around ever so slightly. Yeah. he's oh, showing he's, he's showing solid charisma. Um, has anyone tweeted to the positive or, or negative on Ladybird? I'm sure they have. So let's have a look. <laughs> <laughs> look, there was just a pause and you really kept me in suspense there. Yeah, I, uh, I'm quite good at a pause. Fair enough. Uh, um, my visa Aziz says, uh, hashtag Ladybird was like a well-written John Green movie, but less cheesy and dot, 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 emotionally raw. Also oh. likes a pause, 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10 Ladybirds. That, that's fine. That's a good number of Ladybirds. Number four. Game Night, which I've not seen, I'm hopefully going to see it tonight. Oh, I loved it. I really yeah, want to see it see again. It. Um, so much fun. It works because it's basically, it's basically a comedic suspense thriller uh, with that sort of tone of, uh, of all things, like, like Horrible Bosses, I think mm. would, be, it would be a good barometer to say. I like the first Horrible Bosses. I do, and yeah. it, it, it leans more into the dynamic of that and actually and, and runs with it. And I think it's, it's won over a surprising number of people because it is as funny as it thinks it is. And it's very rare to actually come across them, that's successful mm. um great sporting cast in there um is it lamorne morris from um winston from new girl from new girl yeah. uh you've also got billy magnuson sharon horgan a certain iconic tv actor of the last 10 years i'm not going to name for spoiler reasons um well now i know there's going to be a spoiler thanks i'm going to be looking out for no, no, his, name is, like his name is in the credits it's in the opening credits and you think oh i'm looking forward to seeing where that person turns and up. i would and have been looking forward to seeing happens. it in the credits and then, and then you forget and then obviously it happens You're like oh evil james king is here um <laughs> Let's see if you can piece it together from that. <laughs> you probably can now. God, it's like saying, "Oh yeah, that, that twist in that film is great." Now it was a twist. Well, I'm I'm twisty. I'm turning. Okay, so I loved it. Uh, you will love it when you see it. Has anyone tweeted about it? Um, at Lee underscore is underscore John. Okay, I don't understand that. He's John. <laughs> Lee is John. Lee is John. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Game night is a <laughs> ninety-five out of ten good ass movie. Go watch it. Well, you know what? what? Is what is John, let him say what he wants, man. Lee, 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 is, Lee is John. John. Lee he is John. John, man. He's John. He can do what he wants. Number three. The Greatest Showman, not the greatest song winner at the Oscars. No, no, it's not. And I was, I was traumatized by I, that. I, I really thought it was going to win. I really did. Um, but you know what? It's, it's, it's beyond a joke how much money this is still making. <laughs> Yeah. It's been out for like 10 weeks now. Yeah, something like that. It's about 10 three. weeks. It's still huge. Uh, deservedly so. It's a good time movie. Huge Jackman. Yeah, huge Jackman. It's a good time movie. It's fun for literally the whole family. Uh, go and see it. I presume someone has written a tweet about how amazing the soundtrack is. At Sarah O underscore Connell. Okay. Says, I absolutely loved, all in capitals, hashtag Great Showman. I need to see it again. Amazing cast, sorry. Amazing story, really? Mm-hmm. And soundtrack. Uh, hashtag this is me and then some kind of embedded picture thing I'm, ass- I'm assuming it's Hugh Jackman with his hat I don't know probably number two Red Sparrow so this is the next of our uh, animal yeah, movies animal movies uh, so. Red Sparrow 
Uh, more like Grey Squirrel. But, um, no, I just didn't get on with this. I know what it wants to be, and it wants to be timely and edgy, and the problem is it's too it, it's too smart for its own good. It's too dumb for its own good. And you sit and think, why can't you just pick what one of those? What are you? <laughs> pick one of those. Stop trying to sit in the middle. Just pick one of those. Be it. Be Alias, or be Salt, or be Tinker Tailor. Mm. Don't try and merge them. It doesn't work. Merge. This is, you know, this is the lamb and tuna fish equation. You know, it <laughs> goes together like lamb and tuna fish. Perhaps you prefer spaghetti and meatballs. Perhaps you're more comfortable with this analogy. <laughs> Um, is, that? is that Big Daddy? That's Big Daddy. Yeah. That's Steve Buscemi and Rob Schneider in Big Daddy. <laughs> yeah, that's cinematic heavyweight. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, the problem is that for all the good that, that Jennifer Lawrence brings to it, there's a lot of bad bar- at, the, at the behest of this script, which just doesn't quite work. Mm. Doesn't really have the, the nerve to commit to what it needs to to actually make it an entertaining film. And the result is actually something just kind of dull because it's, it's a half measure and it never right. stops feeling like it. Has someone tweeted? At Fries ridiculous handle. Dominique says uh, Red Sparrow was cold, uncomfortable, and overly sexual in ways the audience never asked for. So presumably she did like a survey. And she asked everyone. She asked everyone. How how cold and sexual do yeah. you like your experiences? Who, who, who asked for the sex? And like no one put hand up. <laughs> who asked for warm sex? Not cold sex. <laughs> yeah. Warm sex. Lukewarm sex. <laughs> Lukewarm sex. Yeah. That is a better title than Red Sparrow. Yeah. Number one. It's going to be number one for like the next couple of weeks, so just get used to it. I hope so. I hope it's number one until Infinity War comes out. But, uh, I mean, if Rampage wasn't coming out, yeah. I feel like Ramp. I mean, maybe Wrinkling Time. Yeah, Wrinkling Time's only a fortnight away, you know. Wrinkling Time is like the next like temple blockbuster kind of thing. It is, it is. Yeah. Um, well, Black Panther is going to be a hard one for it to top. It is a genuinely phenomenal action-adventure, even outside of being a terrific Marvel movie. It's just a solid action-adventure. It's a yeah. great comic book movie. It's a great family. It is one of the most standalone mm. MCU films that we've made. Oh, absolutely. If, if not the most, I would say. Well, quite possibly, since the first Iron Man. Even. Yeah, the only thing that like really connects it, I guess, is... The fact that it, it's like a week after Civil War and he's coming back from those events. Well, that's it. There's not really, you don't really require much of an explanation as to who the hell Martin Freeman is. No, like you, uh, yeah, that's, that's it. I mean, you, you saw it with, um, your brother-in-law. Oh, I took my brother-in-law. Yeah. Who, he thought it was he, well good. He thought it was well good. It was well good. But he had no, he's not seen the other Marvel films. I don't know. I don't or. know if he's ever seen a film before. You know, once, once years ago, he, he, yeah. he works surveillance for the police. Right, <laughs> he genuinely. I think that sounds like, that's a cooler job than it, than I it once sounds. put, I once put Dumb and Dumber 2, or Dumb and Dumber, or whatever it was called, on his iPad for him. <laughs> After the home release, I, I transferred his digital copy across to his iPad for him, mm. and apparently he watched it like four times in a day, and Amazing. he said it was one of the funniest films he'd ever seen, so I don't trust him that far as cinematic, cinematic opinions to be honest um but yeah he thought uh black panther was well good so mm-hmm. you know what take his word for it um speaking of taking word for it i take it someone on twitter has given us their word for it as well uh so tiffany basically just wants uh just she just wants michael b jordan essentially uh, she says uh i just saw black panther michael b jordan call me there is a line sister yeah yeah get, get, get in line love yeah get in line i mean he, psh, he's a good looking man Good-looking man. Handsome no? fellow. I mean, Creed, he's got it going on. Yeah. We'll return. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Off Screen, The on-screen radio show. And we're back. So, Mr. Allen, um, mm. we've, we've got, you know, there's a lot of films out this week, I don't know if you noticed. 
It's, there's like nine. There's nine films out. Yeah. There would have been ten. However, I made the executive decision to skip The Divine Order in exchange M- for two hours like, in bed. Um, uh, Kurt Russell. You yeah, made yeah I, I chose to kill Steven Seagal. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I made the executive decision to kill Steven Seagal so that I could stay in bed for two extra hours after the Oscar. Oscar. Smart. So, uh, yeah, and I didn't get a link in time, so we've not reviewed it. So, uh, yeah. In the meanwhile, though, we've got a lot of films. So let's do some rapid-fire reviews. Try and get these out in less than ten minutes. Um, I'll chuck in a clip for Gringo. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll yeah. chuck in a clip for, ging- for Gringo. Gingo. Gingo. For Gringo. And other than that, let's just, uh, let, let's just, let's just shoot these ones out. Plot 35, also known as Carré 35. This is, I, I, I expected very little of this. First of all, the screening was at the ICA, the uh, Institute of Contemporary Arts. Oh. And Sod's Law dictates that every single time we have a screening there, the movie is awful. It is absolutely terrible. And it's in this really old rickety theatre, and it's it's just not a pleasant experience. Mm. Uh, so I went along. This is Tuesday morning. I was the only person in the screening. And this film fascinated the hell out of me. So this is the story of a French filmmaker who discovers one day, randomly, that he had an older sister he never knew about. An older sister who died age three. And uh, she died of, they call it the blue baby syndrome. I think it's meant to be cot death. Cot death, yeah. Um, but uh, it's, it's a French uh, French actor, sorry. Um, he films his own investigation into what happened and quickly discovers that his parents just aren't being truthful about it. And as he learns this stuff, it's all unfolding live on camera for us to see. And this very quickly just goes into really far-fetched and ludicrous terrain, what you would mm. think would be ludicrous and far-fetched terrain. But... It's all completely genuine. And you think, okay, wow. So, case in point, within the first 20 minutes of this film, which is an hour and seven minutes, by the way. So, so at the end of the first act in this, he says, okay, I'm going to go to the grave. Mm. Goes to the grave. Plot 35. Eh? Uh, goes, goes to the grave. The film. Has a wander through the cemetery. Says, okay, so I found 33, 34, 36. And I'm thinking, well, no, as he's doing it, I'm thinking, oh, watch this. I bet your plot 35 is not there. <laughs> I think it's 33, 34, 36. Plot 35 was not there. I'm like, you're kidding me. Holy God, this is actually real. This is happening. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of mystery to this and it's fascinating. It's genuinely fascinating. And also, as well as the actual investigation as to the, the you know, the, the, the departed sister, um, it also opens up, uh, feelings for, uh, for Eric Kavark, Caravarcher, I believe his name is, um, opens up, you know, feelings in him mm. as regards his own children and the relationship he has with preserving the memory of his children. The idea of, for instance, his parents didn't keep a single picture of of their dead child. Right. They wanted to just move on from the memory. So they they kind of purged her from all memory, all photos, everything. Mm. And it, it this stirs feelings in him as regards the things he he keeps and the mementos he he maintains for his own son. And yeah, I mean, this was I, I was hooked. I was captivated. I was blown away that I was sat alone in the ICA mm. at nine o'clock in the morning watching this. And this was not at all the drab experience I expected it to be. This something i mean I, I would take this as a serious narrative thriller if they, they, they if it came in that variety as well mm. i would happily sit and watch it someone please make that movie i would i would happily watch this also the french for plot is carré so john le carré literally means john the plot john the plot that's great that explains tinker taylor yeah. doesn't it finally okay sweet country which is an australian western cool starring sam so i mean oh i've yeah Get, i've heard guess that better, guess better does not just star Sam Neill. 
Or, or by the way, I have a meme for you that shows you uh, the sequence of Jurassic Park with the sick Triceratops. Cool. Sam Neill and then Sam Standing. <laughs> ah, I thought you'd like that. Uh, yeah, so this Will, Willem Dafoe, Willem Dafoe, exactly. Yeah. So this is this stars not just Sam Neill, but also Brian Brown. Remember him? No. Oh, okay. Let's, let's have a look. Let's, let's I know I've got Google. like five years on you, so I think maybe in those five years is when Brian Brown had like a, a, a high end film yeah. career. Let's have a look. You, you absolutely peek away. You'll know him when you see him. You, but uh, I know him from FX. Remember the FX movies and Cocktail. Cocktail yeah, with Tom Cruise. Cocktail. Yeah. yeah. That's so, what I know. This is set in the 1920s, uh, Australians, Northern Territory, sort of the wild frontier. It is the story of an Aboriginal farmhand who lives in a sort of almost egalitarian, uh, climate with, uh, with Sam Neill, as in they're not his employees. He treats them as, they're, they're more like a commune. Mm. Um, he is, uh, joined one day by a new neighbor who asks, would you mind coming down helping, uh, help me with some stuff on my farm? Sam Neill says, I got a lot on, but uh, my uh, Aboriginal friend here will We'll, uh, we'll happily go with you. He will help you. Will you go and help him? Yes. Okay, cool. His friend is more or less mute, by the way. Mm. Um, the neighbor and the farmhand quickly uh, quickly discover that they have something of an antagonistic relationship. During an argument, the neighbor is killed, and our Aboriginal hero and his wife find themselves on the run in 1920s Western Australia. It is really impressive. There's a lot of... Um, do you remember that film with uh, uh, Mads Mikkelsen, Salvation? couple of years ago so when we Eric Cantona yes it was yeah. right that was like unexpectedly brilliant Cantona. this reminded me this took me back a lot to salvation this very much has that raw badass western kind of a feel mm. for it the kind of we're going for gratuitous violence but we're going to make it as realistic as possible <laughs> um brilliantly you will like it exactly <laughs> you will squirm and you will like it <laughs> yeah um brilliantly put together by uh, uh Warwick Thornton who's also served as his own cinematographer on that's this. a solid name oh yeah Warwick Thornton. Yeah, yeah, that is, isn't it? Yeah, very Australian name as well. Mm. Um, it's like he's also served as his own cinematographer. The film looks great. The film plays well. The cast, terrific. Uh, Steve McGregor and Dave Tranter have done the screenplay on this. Um, it does have genuine depth. It goes to quite disturbing places at times. Uh, if you get the chance to see this, absolutely do. Uh, big, meaty role for Brian Brown, which I haven't seen in a long, long time. It's great to see him finally getting some time in the sun again. Uh, always, well, always in uh, um, uh, Gods of Egypt. Isn't that time yeah. enough? No, 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 no. Let's never, never associate Brian Brown with Gods of Egypt, okay? Don't do that. Don't do that. He's not done anything to you. Yeah, but you love that film. <laughs> Everyone should love that film. <laughs> exactly. I can't even say that with a straight face. Uh, but no, um, absolutely terrific performances across the board. Mm. Really solid film. Really enjoyed it. Bombshell, the Hedy Lamar story. Okay, are you familiar with Hedy Lamar? No, no. That, that's fine. Not really. I feel, I feel like I should be. That, eh. that name rings a bell. You, do you know what? I think you'd know her visually rather than actually know her by name. Like, Let's have a look. Have a look at her I've on, got, on, on I've Google. Got my, my, I, my I think you will. Next to me. Uh, so basically, this is the story of Hedy Lamar's rise to Hollywood way back in yesteryear when Hollywood actually had some kind of glamour to it. Um, she came, to, she came across, uh, from pre-war Europe. Her, uh, her first more art house films, which were, you know, very sexually exploitive, were, uh, released much to the ire of Hitler. You're looking at a picture of her now and having the same reaction I did, aren't you? Yeah. Which is, that is the original Manic Pixie Dream Girl right oh there. God. Wait for it, because I'm going to make her your dream woman now. So, Hedy Lamar, who was not only a terrific actress, was not only gorgeous, stunning, the most glamorous woman around, was also, it transpires, a genius. And I mean an actual scorpion-level academic genius. 
I mean, literally, we could put her in a, a CBS series and have her solve procedural crimes every week as a member of the Scorpion team. You That's Scorpion. her lever of genius. Um, she invented Wi-Fi. Nice. Yes. She invented the remote-controlled missile. She just invented things all the time. Actual things, genius-level things, that wound up becoming actual, you know, real-world real world things. Actual concepts that wound up changing the nature of technology and humanity. Um, she was also a big in with Howard Hughes and would use her relationship with Hughes to access his engineering works. But basically, Howard Hughes served as her boyfriend slash benefactor, mm. gave her access to his vast aircraft hangar labs, and they just built things for her. And that's how the story went. In her later years, as she became uh, mired in endless plastic surgery, and uh, there were a lot of narcotics involved, things like that, um, she, as she was becoming penniless, she discovered that she really didn't hold on to the patents for any of this stuff. Um, but it's all, it is about, it's about this, this full chronicle of her life, and it is really fascinating. Mm. Um, shone her in an entirely new light for me. Like I say, the original Manic Mixing Girl. <laughs> Um, I do think, I think there's a serious biopic in Hedy Lamar. Like, how this hasn't happened, mm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't but know. That's don't know a Todd Haynes movie right there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I don't know who I'd, who I'd cast. Ooh. Do you know, I don't know. Amber Heard? I think you pull off Amber Heard. She could do it. She's got those piercing eyes. Yeah, but, but uh, she, yeah, is she a good actress? Amber Heard's passable. But anyway, so um, really well made. It's made with a reverence. It's made with a respect, but it doesn't shy away from the darker elements of the story. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich t- turns up at one point. Mel Brooks turns up. Mel Brooks' attitude to uh, meeting Hedy Lamar is one of my favourite comedic moments of the year, by the way. <laughs> um I was moved by it. I was quite touched by it. I, I learned a lot that I didn't expect to. And, yeah, I was fascinated end to end. Gringo, directed by Nash Edgerton, yeah. brother of Joel, Joel Edgerton, Edgerton yeah. who also stars in this. I, I found that out this morning. Yeah, weirdly enough, Joel yeah. Edgerton also played Nate Nash in Red Sparrow. So, make of that what you will. Weird. Um, Joel Edgerton, I believe, has also co-written this film. It stars David Oyelowo uh, as... Um, let's let's rewind it. Let's do it back. David Oyelowo. Oyelowo. Oh, yellow. Oh, yellow. Yeah. Um, so it starts David Oyelowo as, as Howard, a, uh, trampled upon middle management type who goes on, uh, goes on a, a, a company trip to, uh, Mexico to try and lock down a deal for the inevitable restructuring of U.S. marijuana laws. In the meanwhile, he's being screwed over by his, his horrible bosses, as it were. Uh, Charlize Theron, who is basically playing her exact character from Prometheus only with a sex drive. And, uh, Joel Edgerton, who's basically playing the Colin Farrell character from Horrible Bosses. Um, Howard then decides to fake his own kidnapping uh, because reasons. Here's a clip. Harold. <laughs> what happened, buddy? Why did you come back with me and Elaine? Richard, I've been taken. Taken? Elaine, Elaine, I've been kidnapped. Calm down and, and, and explain as clearly as you can what's going on. I am somewhere in Mexico with a gun to my head. I don't know how much clear I can be. Harold, it's okay. We're here. Um, what do they want? They want five million wire to an account. Oh, they're going to hang me from the bridge. Five, five million what? Pesos? Pesos. Go! 
Dallas. It's really not very good. Joel Edgerton didn't uh, oh, co-write it, by the way. Um, I just want to get that clear because I, I don't want to like tar Joel Edgerton for something he didn't do. He didn't co-write this mess. Um, he only started it. His brother directed it, though, so I hate the brother. Um, yeah, it's it doesn't work. It feels like one of those sub-Soderbergh movies you get every few years. Remember The Mexican with Brad Pitt and uh, Julia Roberts? Remember how naff that was? Yeah, it's not yeah. Soderbergh. No, 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 I know what you mean, that sub Soderbergh sort of knockoff thing they do. Oh, right. Where you get like... It's, uh, it's trying to be Soderbergh. Yeah, trying to be Soderbergh. Sub Soderbergh. Who's that? Fo- that Foderbergh. 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 That's Gore Verbinski, isn't it? Uh, it is, I believe. Yeah. yeah, but it feels like one of those. It never comes mm. together. It's never interesting. It's never funny. I didn't laugh once. There's a lot of attempted humour in it. Needs more Benicio um, Del Toro. There are a lot of ideas that are just fired off without any thought of where they might land. There is this weird thing with Tandy Newton's character where we're told every now and again that she used to be fat. And then there's a shot over the towards the very end of her in a fat suit and I'm just look. I find myself looking at the moment thinking I think that's meant to be funny I'm just not seeing it because you're, you're looking for the joke yeah I'm yeah I'm looking for comedy in all the wrong places you know like an actual comedy so uh, no complete rubbish uh, avoid it like the plague on to the last one speaking of unfunny comedies we come to Walk Like a Panther uh, a movie that wants to be still crazy with wrestling Okay, it's, it's what I've been wanting. Yeah. So I've been asking remember, for. Remember, still crazy. The flame still burns. Jimmy Nail. Yeah, yeah, awesome, wasn't it? Tim, Tim Spall. Tim Spall. Yeah. yeah, awesome movie. Turns out you can't go home again though, mm. and that's how you come to Walk Like a Panther, which seeks to do exactly the same movie. The only problem is, you remember how in Still Crazy, all the characters who had been like rockers back in yeah. their glory days, they'd all gone their separate ways. They reunited that all the years to go back on the road, and yeah, yeah, right. The thing with that is, they've tried to do that exact format again. Only none of the characters have gone anywhere. They've all just been hanging out in a pub together for decades. Right. And you're like, okay, I don't, I'm not sure what the point of this film is. They just couldn't be bothered. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, but um, just just here anyway. Apparently, it was written for James Corden, and that makes a degree of sense actually because it stars Stephen Graham as a man we're told we're sort of meant to believe is in his mid to late twenties at best and is grossly overweight. Um, Stephen Graham's kind of buff and about forty five. Yeah, yeah, like, clearly in his voice. Dave Allen from uh, I Daniel Blake uh, yeah. plays his dad. And you're thinking, That's you, good you look about 10 years apart. Mm. Um, none of the jokes... I think that's it's quite good yeah, casting, None of the jokes land. There's loads of mm. uh, comedic ideas that are just half-baked, never really mm. thought out. The characters have... There, there are no characters. There are literally no characters in this. Julian Sands turns up for this love triangle that I, I can't even begin to probe the sanity behind because it's non-existent. Mm. And I came away from it all thinking... Well, at least they gave us lagers with the film's logo on. That was nice. Yeah, we got Walk Like a Panther lager. And I promise you, more thought went into the design of those lager cans than did the actual film. And I say this knowing someone who did the actual artwork. Although I'm sure that um, uh, fans of um, just, you know, Panthers in general are really happy we got two films with Panthers. Two Panthers, yeah. We've got two Panthers now. Two Panthers and a Sparrows in the multiplex at the moment. And a Ladybird. And a Ladybird, yeah. It's like Um, like a zoo. Yeah, I just came away from the whole film thinking, you know what, it's a film aimed at your uncle, effectively, who remembers when British TV used to show wrestling on a Saturday afternoon. Um, And to be honest, that's pretty much just everyone's uncle. They're the only people that are going to like this movie... And even then, about half of that is going to be because of Jill Halfpenny in Spandex. So, you know, a bit of blue for uncles, you know? On which note, let's move on. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. 
We're back, Mr. Allen. So, um, we've not done uh, Best Actor and Actress. No, do you want to do those so we should quick. do them now. Let's do them quick. Let's, Let's get them right now. Minutes. Okay. So, uh, Best Actor. Mm-hmm. Was it Daniel Day-Lewis? Um, it was, but... Gavondine Wallace? No, inside of Daniel Day-Lewis was actually Gary Oldman. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they're, yeah. they're both so method. And, they're like, <laughs> and, you know, Gary Oldman likes to put on loads of prosthetics. And, so, he, yeah. he won for uh, Darkest Hour, then? That, well, that's... One for the Churchill film. The Churchill film. The Churchill film. Fair enough. One Be, for the Tiger's... Winston Churchill. Tig, Tiger's Mouth scene. <laughs> that could have been called Tiger's Mouth, couldn't it, that film? Would have made a bad way better. Yeah. Yeah, don't like the film. I like him in it. I think his performance is good. I think the prosthetics are great. But, like, it's it's a Lifetime Achievement Oscar. And, like... Yeah, effectively. Right, rightly so. Yeah, I mean, exactly. How, at this point, has Gary Oldman not won an Oscar? <laughs> so, Best Actress, yeah. though, this was a very controversial moment, I think. Uh, well, yeah. the speech was a controversial yeah, moment. I, yeah, I don't think her winning was no, controversial, because no. it's what everyone wants. Well, her winning was a given. Yeah. So... Definitely, yeah. So, so um, uh, Franny, Franny McDee. Frances McDormand. Yeah. For uh, three billboards, three billboards. Her second win after Fargo in was it ninety six? Yes, twenty one years ago. Twenty one years. Um, and she, of course, called for the inclusion rider. Yeah, which, which I'm looking no, forward to. Nobody knew what that was, and then after everyone googled it, everyone knew what it was. <laughs> everyone thought it was a Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> yeah, sounds like Nicolas it. Cage is the inclusion <laughs> rider. <laughs> Yeah, you know he was on the front of his agent. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Give me this movie. Give me this movie. Yeah, yeah, so um, Inclusion Rider is something that an actor can put into their contract to say that whatever film they're signing up for, they have to have a 50% like diversity yeah. hiring. Oh, so that's, I that's, think that'll happen. Yeah, so that's the cast and the crew. I think that's definitely Which is amazing, thing. yeah. And she great. made every woman in the building stand up with her as well. Yeah, I like how like kind of forthright she was about it because she said that she'd only just heard about it even though it's been in existence. Yes, she did. Yeah, she's like, I only yeah. just heard about this myself. Like, yeah. Okay, cool. At least it's not just me then. Yeah, because so, for about two minutes, I felt like a dumbass. No, I think... Uh, I've, because people in the room didn't applaud straight away. It was a bit like, yeah, took, yeah, took, we don't know what that is. It took, took, took about 30 seconds Googling time in the room there and then. Yeah, and they were like, yes. Meanwhile, Michael know. Keaton was putting his speech away. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> So um, let's talk then about Nicolas Cage for our final film of the week. For a film we've both seen. Oh, You've forgotten I've, we were doing this, yeah. weren't you? And we talked about it at the start of the, of the show. I know, I, okay. Oh. So we've not, we've not got much time. We've got like seven minutes tops to wrap up this show. So let's talk about Mom and Dad. Latest film from Brian Taylor of Neville Dean Taylor fame. Mm. Neville Dean Taylor? Neville Dean, yeah. Neville Dean Taylor. Um, who did, of course, Crank, did Crank, uh, two. Crank 2, did Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Gamer. Gamer. And then nothing, really. They split after that, I think? Yeah. yeah. Um, so they've now done this movie in which... Suburban parents go nuts and start trying to murder their children. We follow one such family, the parents being played by Sir Nicholas of Cage, of the California Cages, and Selma Blair, as they try to murder their two admittedly quite annoying children. Uh, we don't have a clip, there's surprisingly few available. Uh, we do have this, though. Here's Nicholas Cage smashing up a pool table. Nicholas Cage demolishing a pool table there. Um, yeah, I mean, worth it. Worth it. It's worth seeing film just about. This is actually a great movie, though. This is about 88 minutes long. Mm. I thought this was great. I watched it with you and then I went and saw it a second time as well. Yeah, I feel like I need to see it again. 
Really good. Yeah. Uh, plays like an inverse of Cooties, but with the tone of 28 Days Later, of all things. Um, it has, you know, concert, a concerted effort at the, at the in, in the front half to try and ape uh, classic grindhouse films of the set of the 70s, particularly with a very lavish opening sequence. Um, I thought it was really well staged. I thought Nicolas Cage's uh, madcap persona, as ever, uh, just needs the right right vehicle. And I think yeah. this is absolutely the vehicle for that. Um, it's it's a surprisingly bold project Cynical's Cage in. Uh, I thought Selma Blair was surprisingly likable in it, really effective. Um, There's a couple of cameos in there that uh, I I quite enjoyed as well. Um, One one particular Cameron alum, we'll say, um, gets uh, an almost wordless appearance. That is very good casting as well. And it's great casting because you want to see more of that in the film. Um, Definitely one, if you've seen Cooties, definitely check this out because it makes for an interesting flip side. Mm. Um, Tonally as well as just story-wise. Didn't quite go where I thought it was going to go and (laughs) didn't end the way I thought it was going to end. Didn't begin the way I was going to begin and it's got some vintage, vintage cage in there. What do you think of it? Same. Ditto, really. Yeah. Just, just a lot of fun. Classic cage. It really. was. We kind of just yeah. sat there and were just enamoured by this brutal, horrifying OTT yeah. splatter, domestic splatter fest. But I thought that Selma Blair was pretty game as well. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, she, she was, was really, really going for it. Yeah. But uh, I like Selma Blair. She's not in enough nowadays. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of hers. But, you know, Nick Cage, I'll watch him pretty much anything. I think he's absolutely terrific in this. Yeah. Also, Nicholas Cage constructing a pool table is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen it committed is, to yeah. silent. There's something soothing about watching him smooth out the felt with his spirit yeah. level. I think um, it's because you know that he, he's going to destroy it within minutes as well. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Just putting that amount of detail and care and attention. Absolutely. Uh, alas, it is not our film of the week, though. It is a great movie, but it's not film mm. of the week. I'm going to give film of the week to You Were Never Really Here, um, which I promise you yeah, are going to... I can't wait to see it. You're going to love every minute of it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and be hoping for a Jacob's Ladder scenario. <laughs> no, no, but Jacob's Ladder scenario. <laughs> uh, definitely check out uh, You Were Never Really Here. But if you can see Mom and Dad on the big screen, do. It's a mm. really fun OTT gory splatter vest. And uh, one for the date night. We'll say, <laughs> yeah, go date night to mom and dad. You'll love that. Um, so <laughs> that's kind of brings us to a close for this week, which is Oscar week. So let's talk about uh, what we've got next week. Uh, Mary Magdalene. That's next week. Um, Looking Phoenix again. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. Wa- Joaquin three is- this year then. Yeah, of okay. JC. Uh, we've JC. got a reissue of the Magic Flute by the BFI next week. We've got My Golden Days. Uh, we've got The Square. We've got Peter oh. Rabbit next week. Looking forward uh, to that, you case? Hashtag not my Peter. <laughs> you wanted John Oliver, didn't you? That's what it was. <laughs> and of course, last but certainly by no means least, Tomb Raider is out next week. So Walton Gawkins gone mainstream, yo. Uh, can't wait. Absolutely can't wait. Hashtag not my Lara. <laughs> well, you know, a friend of mine interviewed uh, uh, Alicia Vikander at the premiere last night, mm. and I'm jealous as hell of him. So... I can't I, wait I just I'm not I'm not interested in it no it's done yet I'm in I'm the, in the trailers have not sold me look I would rather it have been General Arson but still you know yeah. that's, that's just me I'm looking forward to it Walton Goggins is the villain what could possibly go that'll wrong? be good that'll be good yeah. uh, so in the meanwhile that's everything we've got really for this week uh, don't forget to check out the podcast edition we're going to talk more Oscars uh, after mm-hmm. the end credits uh, in the meanwhile this has been Candy Store for On Screen I've been Van Connor and I've been Hedy Lamar and we'll be back just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. 
So some extras with which to cast our pods. Mm. Um, so look, we didn't talk about what one best film was uh, The Shape of Water, one best picture, didn't it? It did. Uh, were you surprised by that? No. No, I wasn't surprised because it's, it's, it was kind of the B choice, really. I think it was going to be three billboards I, and then. To be honest, Shape I don't Water. think it was the, the B choice. I, f- I feel like, like Shape of Water and three billboards were kind of. Toe and toe. Toe and toe, neck yeah. and neck, just body part to body part. And Get Out was a little bit behind it. Get Out was like the dark horse. <laughs> and it was very much being seen as like a freeway race. Yeah, I kind of go with that. And, and I think that's why Get Out got the uh, original screenplay and like, oh, right, so that was. That's probably one of the happiest moments of the night. Oh God, I've just you no, know, I've just looked at my iPad for a second, and I've got I've got the page for Gringo still open, and you know under the trivia section on IMDb, it actually says film debut of Paris Jackson. Mm. Michael Jackson's daughter Paris makes her film debut in, in Gringo. Oh. I mean, God, crazy. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what to make of that? If you could pick a worst film to cameo in, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but no, it was it was it was pretty bad. So, no, uh, Shape of Water, though. I'm happy that it won an award. I just think if you weren't going to give it to three billboards, just go all the way and give it to get out. Just, you know, if you want to try and. I don't think Shape of Water is a safe choice. Is that what you're trying to say? I I feel it's just a bit more acceptable as a Best Picture nominee, a Best Picture winner. The Best Picture winner. Is about a mute woman that has sex with a fish man. With a fish man. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you just go? There were cones on me. <laughs> there were cones. Because my voice is a cracking. A mute woman has sex with a fish man. It won an Oscar. Deal with it. It won four. It won best director and best picture. Yeah, and like this was the most genre like heavy Oscars I think we've had in years. Very true. No Logan win though, was the the stupid call me by your name. Happy. <laughs> I will never be happy. No. I don't know what happiness is. I work with you, man. I don't know what happiness is. I honestly think, like, this might be one of the most predictable years, but it was also one of those years where, like everything was just kind of like fell into place and was correct. I think it was Robbie Collins who ran a piece that Oh, yeah. Said, what did he say? Like, I care. <laughs> oh, yeah. Robbie Collins ran a piece, I think, with the Telegraph that said uh, something like, uh, good films, bad winners. Which I thought, what? okay, I can, can kind of see what you what mean. Is, what does that mean? I think he was referring to the, how predictable it was. Like, because it, it was. How many did you get right out of interest on your your score? 21 sheet? out of 24. You got 21 out of 24. I think I missed four, so I think I'm 20 out of 24. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, then again, I hosted Oscar Night with someone who had only seen Darkest Hour, so... So you're automatically in a better position. And Bex. So, you know, yeah. she, she was lovely. I always love working with Bex, but uh, we also hosted with someone else who hadn't seen any film that wasn't Darkest Hour. But uh, ours is not to judge. Anyway, uh, so Gabriel Toro obviously won for Best Director as well. Yeah, that was amazing. Very happy to see him finally win. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of, uh, Roger Deakins won uh, Best Cinematography. <laughs> speaking of finally. <laughs> yeah, man. So it's 14th nomination. Did he win uh, is it the American Society of Cinematographers? I mean, that was the big win for Roger Deakins a few weeks ago, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And and then, it's not always a precursor because he's, he's won that like four times before. <laughs> always, always the bridesmaid. Yeah. <laughs> Who but he's, he's so cool. He's, he's like someone from Paul Weller's band, isn't he? He's just he like... has that appeal, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Did, did he win at the BAFTAs? I can't remember. I think he did, didn't I think he did, yeah. yeah. I, remember, I remember feeling like I was celebrating at the BAFTAs. I, I but, think uh, he won all the major ones this year. Did you have that Leo feeling when he finally won that Oscar? Yeah, I think everyone... Well, he got a standing ovation, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> I think everyone was just like, finally, you've, you've made us look incredible. finally happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, yeah. It was great. And then uh, best score, um, 
uh, Shape of Water. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't terribly surprised, but, but you know, he's, oh, he's, yeah. uh, he's, he's, he's Quincy Jones's brother, man. He's, got, he's, he's got <laughs> he is Q's brother. I just I, I was like, amazed by that. If I was Alexander Desplat, I'd be my business card now. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> brother of Quincy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think it was a surprising night. Uh, other than you know Coco taking it over uh, over this. See, is, uh, I don't, I don't think me. that was a surprise. Like yeah. I had it. It's a good song. It is a good song, and like I said to you earlier, it is it's an integral plot point. As yeah, well. and I had it on my predictions uh, to win. I had the song from Coco. To win, did you? Um, and then changed. I then changed it to "This Is Me," thinking of you, thinking <laughs> that'll hate me if I predict a different song. And then it bloody lost. By the way, so. I did. I did bet, and I won about eight quid because I, I placed. I won eight quid I, as quite, well. I placed about quite low bets. Do you know uh, what's really funny? Uh, like I forgot that I won like eight or nine quid from last year, and I every I, year with me, yeah, yeah. I, I still had it in my William Hill account, so I was like, <laughs> great, I'll just bet that, and then. I got back eight pound. I couldn't remember the password to my William Hill, so I just set up on bet three six five. I just feel like I'm gonna like perpetually have like like eight and nine pound constantly in that account. I feel like that's gonna be our when we're all like grandparents kind of age. That's that's gonna be our uh, our great sort of gold rush when we all discover that we've got like leftover gambling accounts filled with <laughs> filled with money like, that we've just let appreciate. Four, four quid. Yeah, yeah, and we just go around gathering them all up, cashing yeah. out. Amazing. Uh, what were some of the other big ones? Oh, yeah, we talked about animated Coco. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was. <laughs> was you know, uh, that was quite an interesting one. Uh, live action short. Yes, it was one by two uh, people from Hollyoaks. Yes, Rachel Shenton, who did the, she did the speech in sign language, I believe. Yeah, which was pretty incredible. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, oh, uh, foreign, foreign best foreign language film uh, went to a fantastic, fantastic woman. woman. Is a film you've seen? Which, which I saw last yeah. week. Yes, the timing was pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah I, was, I was out of the ones I had seen of the foreign language films. Yeah, I've, I thought, I've not seen yeah. the Square, and I really want to see the Square. No, I've not yet. But of the ones I'd seen, that was the one I thought. Yeah, okay, I can understand. I can get on board with that. Yeah. But um, you you felt like it was going to because it's well it's, it's this year, so <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, so well, that is very timely. Well, yeah, I think the idea of a trans drama, regardless of where where in the world it, it's originated yeah. from, I think the trans drama in 2018 feels pretty timely. Yeah, and also one of the documentaries was uh, directed by uh, by a trans director as well. Of course, yeah. who was that one? Um, Yancey Ford, who did uh, Strong Island, which is on ah. Netflix, um, which I watched. Yeah, I managed to watch most of the documentaries. I didn't watch Abacus, but I watched. That watched was the that was the one I wanted to win best documentary. These are my picks, by the way, um, from the day. My, my pick actually won. It was Icarus. And Icarus oh, you actually picked Icarus, Icarus. one, yeah, yeah, because oh. we we watched it a couple of weeks ago, and it's really good. I meant to, and then never got around to. I really want to. I, I think you would love it. Uh, costume brilliant. design, Phantom Thread was an obvious one. Yeah, and he's the guy with the jet ski as well. <laughs> yeah. Like. That was a really good bit, I thought. I really enjoyed that. Uh, makeup and hairstyle went to Darkest Hour. Did anyone not see that Just coming? yeah. Well, that, that guy came out of retirement to do his prosthetics. Well, yeah. Makeup, yeah. Uh, so what was the story of special effects? Because I wanted War for Planet of the Apes to win, even though as, I knew it was As wouldn't. did I. I should have just put down Blade Runner, because yeah. you knew it was going to, but there was, kind of it was part of me that wanted Planet of the Apes, so I put it down. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Dunkirk got its sound mixing and sound editing, and like, wow, okay. That's yeah. That's how we're doing this, is it? But you, you could tell that the producers thought that Baby Driver was going to do it because you get two people from Baby Driver to present mm. those Oscars. And- well, I was surprised because did, did you say editing went to Dunkirk, didn't it? In the end, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And I was quite surprised because I thought Baby Driver would would have that. I think very a lot easily. of people thought that, yeah, because it's the thing you think of with Baby Driver. Yeah. You think the music, you think the editing. Yeah. Well, it's like um, with Whiplash. Yeah. Whip, Whiplash won editing. And by the way, speaking of Whiplash, mm. I, I forgot. To, I, I meant to text you and tell you this, but I forgot. So, this week's American Dad. 
Right. Um, which I watched on the journey home from London last night. And, uh, can I just advise if anyone ever gets a chance to see it, season 15, episode four, uh, it, the title's something to do with murals. Um, don't watch this on public transport. Um, really? Because I had to pause twice. I was in absolute hysteria. I was just hysterically laughing. I looked like a maniac. <laughs> um, there's honestly some really, really, it's a laugh a minute just work of genius. This episode of American Dad. This is, uh, <laughs> Who's the, the character that Roger played? Ricky Spanish. This is oh, Ricky, Ricky Spanish. Sp- Ricky Spanish level genius. I mean, you mean Ricky Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> but um, really, really dark episode. And Roger plays J.K. Simmons in, in Whitmarsh. Brilliant. As he puts he's, on. he's wearing like the tight yes. black t-shirt. Yeah. And- he's got the eyebrows, the crow's feet, everything. He, they've made Roger look like J.K. Simmons. It's amazing. Incredible. And Steve is the, obviously the music yeah. people. Instead of a music oh. school though, it's a clown college. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're imagining it right there. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to watch that this afternoon, I think. Watch this episode. Honestly, it is absolutely amazing. Great. Good. I just, I was in actual pain. I think the last new, I mean, I'm quite far behind. The last new one I saw was where James Hetfield was in it. Oh, God, yes. As the the swim coach. coach, Master! Master! (laughs) That was a genius episode. Oh, yes. Because how do you mix Metallica and, you know, high school It just gets progressively funnier, just... American Dad, I've never gotten the yeah. acclaim it deserves. American Dad is probably the funniest ongoing animated series on television, I think. It's up there, yeah, definitely. I think it, I mean, Family Guy gets all the attention because it's Family Guy. Cleveland was kind of derided. And yet at the same time, definitely. American Dad was just there in the Simpsons background. Simpsons people just great. kind of put up with now, which is. Yeah, I tolerate the Simpsons. I don't watch the new episodes anymore. I, we I, I we, we still do just being a completist, I guess. I think it's when they have that Zoe Deschanel cameoing episode about Bart's sexuality or whatever. Yeah. I just was like, I'm bored now. I'm just. Oh, bored. she's she's uh, Thingy's daughter, isn't she? Oh, I can't even remember. Cletus's, Cletus's daughter. daughter. Yes. Yeah. Oh, but uh, no, American Dad. I'm such a fan. Yeah. But, uh, and I hope I, I enter middle age, you yeah. know, looking and sounding like well, Stan Smith. Well, one of my favorite uh, animated shows currently, and my, definitely my favorite new one, mm. um, uh, Big Mouth on Netflix. Oh, I, I've seen the first one, and you I I want to watch, watch the rest. The Good cast. Oh, he's incredible. Is that Nick Kroll? Yeah. Nick Kroll? It's, it's Nick Kroll, John Mulaney, uh, Zooks is in it, yeah. uh, Fred Armisen. Just an amazing cast. Oh, we'll get on with that. I oh, think. it's incredible, man. You need to watch it. That first episode I saw was like, oh my God, this is raw. This is That's really That's one playing basketball and, yeah. I think so, yeah. The, the next episode is even worse. Excellent. Say. I look yeah. forward to that then. I'm going to, I'll give that a look when I, uh, when I, uh, when I get home later. <laughs> yeah, definitely recommend um, it. And, and it's on Netflix, so at least I can watch it more or less anywhere. But anytime, uh, please. Yeah. Well, actually, no, that actually bit me in the ass this last week because I really got into watching, uh, Queer Eye over the weekend and I wanted to continue mm. watching it on my journey back down to London for the for Oscars on Sunday. Uh, but of course you needed a data signal the entire time. I was really, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I am loving Queer Eye. Oh, it's great. Isn't it's it? just, yeah. I did not expect to be hearing the feels as we could say. And, so and I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, Karamo's jackets are just the all of Karamo's Kura- style. Everything about Karamo is the greatest yeah. thing in the world. I feel like, like out of all the stuff that everyone has to do, he definitely has belief culture. Like <laughs> <laughs> when it cuts to him, he's just he's a like, napkin asshole. <laughs> yeah. I think there's, there's one episode where he gives someone like tickets to like a uh, ballet or a museum or something. God. And the rest of the time, it's just about. He's just talking with him. Did you see that uh, Tom and Abby have gotten back together, by the yes, way? Yes, I did. FYI. I was on Twitter this morning. If you don't watch Queer Eye, by the way, this is all nonsense to you, in which case, yeah. you feel free. But, yeah, I think uh, he's everyone's favourite, just the way that he says, damn. Also, he sounds like Mater. 
Oh, he yes, has yeah. the exact voice of Mater from Cars. Damn, Abby. <laughs> He's amazing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love him. He's Damn. so awesome. I'm going to watch the rest of that series this weekend. Yeah, we, we watched an episode. Yes, I think I'm on, like, episode six. I'm nearly done. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, six or eight. Yeah, because yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I said to my wife, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll watch one. She'd already watched all eight. Of course she point. had. Yeah. She watched them in, like, a day whilst I was out. I think I was playing a gig. And... Speaking of Netflix shows. Mm. Lost in Space. Oh, I've not seen that trailer yet. I need to watch that trailer downstairs. So it looks like what's happened is someone saw the 1998 movie. Is it like Prometheus? I've heard right, this. this is the thing. Yeah. It looks like someone saw that 98 movie and thought, okay, what if we did that concept, but in the style of Prometheus? And it really is, Prometheus does the 98 version. There's no trace of the original Lost in Space in it. So there's no, like, camp or laugh mm. factor in it. But it does look very... Uh, very, very Promethei. Promethei. Promethean. Very Promethean. Yeah, that's that's what you say. That's what you say. Promethean. Yeah, Promethean. <laughs> How was your day, dear? Promethean. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... What, so nothing happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nothing happened and everyone just looked confused. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically yeah. it. <laughs> Though the, uh... That's the dictionary definition of Promethean. <laughs> everyone was bored for a solid two and a half hours. <laughs> and then and then Charlie Theron went on to Gringo and did the same thing again. No one knows why. But, no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So should we uh, should we let Mr. Cage round us out for the week? I think we better. Uh, here it is. Your moment of Cage. Your motherfucking mother to open the door. Mother, you're going to open this motherfucking door. <laughs>